the geography is constantly changing. So you're never really dealing with like one sort of landscape for too long. So it's always kind of changing. So you always feel like there's something new around the corner. Because, you know, with that amount of time, if you're just hiking in a forest, it's, it would get pretty tedious after a while. But the, the landscape keeps changing and keeps things interesting for you. Welcome to Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. I'm your host, Gail Manasco, and today we are learning about an amazing through-hike through New Zealand called the Te Araroa, or also known as the TA. Now, I haven't been to New Zealand. It's on the list, but we do have a variety of episodes about New Zealand, and including um, experiencing the Milford Sound and blackwater rafting. Now, as an American, I don't know when I'm going to get to go to New Zealand, but if you are able to go to New Zealand, definitely add these experiences to your bucket list. Now, the TA through hike is one of the newest through hikes in the world. And if you're into through hiking, um, also check out the episode about hiking the Appalachian Trail. So I interviewed Daniel Boothroyd for this episode, who hiked the entire TA. He's 28 years old. He lives in Nova Scotia. And he loves long distance hiking. He completed the TA in 2017 and plans on hiking the PCT in 2022. So let's get on with the adventure. Well, welcome to Experiences That You Should Have, Daniel. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, so we're talking about a very kind of a new trail. Um, I'm going to, I hope I don't butcher this. Te Araroa. Te Araroa. The Te Araroa. <laughs> oh, man, you're so much better at it. I've, I've said it a few times. <laughs> I know, we are just practicing. Um, we're going to call it hiking the TA. Sounds, T- sounds good. Is that how other people refer to it, hiking the TA? Yeah, I mean, it's the same with like the American trails, right? Like nobody calls it the Pacific Crest Trail. It's just right. PCT. PCT and then hiking the AT, which we have an episode on hiking the AT, the Appalachian Trail. So mm-hmm. listeners out there, go check it out. So you hiked the TA in New Zealand. Um, can you just describe to our listeners kind of what this trail is? Yeah. Um, so I should say at the beginning, I, I did this trip with a friend. Uh-huh. Um, I was a little intimidated to go at it yeah. alone. But um, yeah, no, it's um, it's a long distance hiking trail that uh, I think it opened up in 2011. Uh-huh. And it stretches from the northern tip of the North Island in Cape Uranga to the bottom of the South Island uh, in Bluff. So it's approximately 3000 kilometers through the length of the country. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, you've got water separating the islands. I mean, how did you navigate that? Because it's it's not fully just hiking, right? No. Well, I mean, when so when you hit Wellington at the bottom of the North Island, I mean, you just jump onto the ferry and it takes you uh, takes you across to a little town called Picton. And then from there, you actually we caught a mail boat and it drops you up to the top of the island to jump on the Queen Charlotte track and you just keep on from there. 
Yeah. Okay, now this is a fairly new through hike, right? Yeah. So when did you hike the TA? So we did it um, in the 2016-2017 season. So I think it was about the fifth season it was officially open. So it was still pretty new. That's pretty epic. I mean, you're hiking a new through hike through New Zealand, and it's only been around for, what, five or six years? That's yeah, incredible. Yeah, about that. It was really nice, actually, because um, it's gotten a lot more popular since then. So I think we kind of hit it at a point where, like, there were still people on it, and there was a nice little community, but it wasn't, like, an overwhelming amount of traffic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's just describe the experience um, to our listeners. I mean, take us to the beginning of the trail and also why you decided to embark on this. Well, the yeah, the why was kind of just it was a bit of a situation that snowballed, really. I had recently dropped out of school and was just working and saving some money and kind of needed to have a goal in mind. So I'd always been kind of drawn to New Zealand and always wanted to go there. Mm-hmm. And um, was just like looking up stuff to do there because I didn't really want to just go and like bartend in New Zealand, do the same thing. So I was like looking up hiking trails and came across the TA. And it was just kind of one of those, as soon as I saw it, the idea kind of just got stuck in my head. And I kind of just was like, I'm, I'm going to have to do this. Otherwise, it's just always going to gnaw at me. That's very exciting. Now, where were you living at the time when you decided uh, to do this? This is in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Wow. Yeah. And and who was your friend? Did they? Uh, it was my friend of mine, Owen. He was um, he was living out there at the same time, and I asked him just because he he just kind of had the time available when we yeah. were thinking about doing it. So I just kind of asked him because I was a little little intimidated to do it alone. Because uh-huh. I didn't really know much about long distance hiking at this point. Yeah. What would you say was your biggest fear? I just think I was just intimidated by the size and the the time commitment of it all. Like, yeah. it's hard to picture that size of a trail if you don't really know sort mm-hmm. of what it's all about. Mm-hmm. So just like the sheer number and like thinking about, you know, hiking for five to six months was just a bit daunting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So this was your first through hike? Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. did you want to be a purist about it? Did you want to do, do you want to go through the entire thing? Yeah, we were, go? we were kind of um, a little easier on that front. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think we, we pass through, the trail goes directly through like Auckland, like downtown Auckland. And I had some family there. And we just kind of decided, you know, small stretch here and there we would pass over or if the weather was bad. But generally, we stuck to the entire trail unless it was a sort of a weather situation or there were washouts, which yeah. does happen quite often there because the weather's pretty volatile. Uh-huh. So let's uh, let's go back to the beginning of the trail. Um, kind of walk me through that moment. Yeah. So the first day was pretty scary. Um, I had booked I had booked a bus to take us up to uh, to Cape Reinga. Mm-hmm. Um, what I didn't realize is that it was a tourist bus. Oh, and so we got on, and it was the bus driver knew what we were up to. He was like, "Oh, you boys are 
heading up to do the, the TA today, aren't you? And we were like, yep, you know, we're both pretty quiet. Get onto the bus and uh, it's full of, you know, like 60-year-old couples on vacation. So we're just uh-huh. quietly hanging out at the back of the bus. And so the bus, for at one point, drives down 90 Mile Beach, which is sort of the beginning stretch of the trail. And we passed by a hiker and the bus driver gets on his intercom and he's like, oh, that man right there, he's just started his 3,000 kilometer journey all the way through the entire country. And everybody's, you know, ooing and aahing at the whole thing. And then he turns around. It's like, just so happens we have two young men at the back of the bus that are starting that today. Everybody turns back and looks at us. I feel like I'm about to throw up. Everybody's asking us questions. We got there too when we were standing at... uh, the start of the trail people were like taking her photos and stuff and i'm just like i can't talk to anybody right now <laughs> <laughs> so it was a little bit of a weird a weird start uh-huh uh-huh but um yeah from there i mean it was it was all pretty straightforward the first day you know it was pretty short to a campsite and then your first real stretch of trail is 90 mile beach which isn't actually 90 miles but really um, yeah, it's like, I think it's 88 kilometers or something like that. Oh, that's funny. I can't remember how it got landed on the name of 90 Mile Beach, but yes, it's not 90 miles. Okay. But uh, yeah, that was a very challenging first stretch because it's basically three days of sand dunes on your left, beach and ocean, and just nothing changes. So time really you lose all sense of time. There's like no sense of progress. So it, it's really a bit of a mind, a mind trip at the very start. How did you work through that mind trip? I just tried not to think about it, really. I remember <laughs> the second day, because mm-hmm. I, I kept checking my watch, you know, you have nothing else to think about. So I was very focused on keeping track of the time. And I think on the second day, I was like, I'm not going to look at my watch at all. And it turned around. I was like, all right, I'm going to look at it when I think an hour has gone by. And I think it was about 15 minutes when I genuinely (laughs) thought an hour had passed. (laughs) So it was, yeah, it was a long three days. Okay. So you made it through the sand dunes, the ocean on the first three days. And then then what'd you hit next? The next part is also... The trail really puts you through the the ringer at the beginning, actually. So that's oh. usually the place where the most people drop out is like the first two, three hundred kilometers. Mm-hmm. So right after when you finish the beach, you hit the Northland forests, which are just like it's I've never seen mud like I have there. It's just <laughs> like vines hanging from the trees. The trails barely marked up there. And it's just like mud pits, like almost up to your knee. You just step into it sometimes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was it was a real slog. So, I mean, we're like, what kept you not giving up in this period? I don't I mean, I think it was probably more just, you know, we're here. And then when you're mm-hmm. in the middle of the forests, it's just like, well, it's the same going backwards as it is going forwards. So mm-hmm. you may as well just go for it. Right. But uh, it was definitely tough at the beginning because didn't really know what we were doing. Just the, the train at the start was brutal. But um, yeah. it made everything else feel a lot easier afterwards. Oh, well, that's exciting. You know, do the hardest part first and then uh, 
and it becomes more enjoyable, right? Yeah. I was actually a little bit bummed. They've closed off one of the forests on the track in the last couple seasons, oh, which really? is a bit of a bummer because I think it's a bit of a rite of passage. But <laughs> oh. So you made it through the forest and the mud, and then, then where'd you end up after that? Then uh, you get to a little town on the East Coast called uh, Kerry Kerry. And that's kind of like if you make it to Kerry Kerry, you stand a pretty good shot of making the whole thing. Now, what is in Kerry Kerry? Not much. It's just a, it's just a little town, really. But that's yeah. just sort of all the track leading to there is, uh, is sort of the make or break you kind of point. Okay. So you made it to Kerry Kerry. You knew yeah. that you can continue. You knew that the oh, we felt like no, we uh, achievable. We'd, we'd, yeah, exactly. We'd we'd learn some things, you know. We'd shed a few items from our bags and uh, just kept on. All right. So, so what happened after Kerry Kerry? So then, the trail mostly goes along the east coast from there kind of skirting around inland and through forests and some beaches uh -huh. um, until you get to Auckland which I think is probably like 500 kilometers along the trail so that was like the first real big kind of like you have a good chunk of distance under your belt and when we got there it was kind of like all right like making some headway here yeah so that so was and you mentioned one. you had some family in Auckland right yeah, so that was the other bonus. I mean, we had a place to stay and, you know, we crashed there for a few days and got to, you know, have some home-cooked meals and catch up with some people, have some drinks, you know. It was kind of a nice little nice little break. I bet a bed felt so good after. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially like an actual bedroom, not just like, you know, a hostile dorm where you feel right. self-conscious for stepping in because you just smell like garbage. Right, right. <laughs> so how long did it take you to get to Auckland? I think that one was about four or five weeks, maybe. Four or five weeks. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's a good little celebration there. Yeah, that was the first sort of milestone, I'd say, where it felt like we'd actually covered some real ground. Because, I mean, when you look at it on the map, it's it's, it's such a long distance, you know, you you finish 90 mile beach and then you look, it's like, Oh, check out how much we walked. And then you zoom out further on the map and you're like, Oh, we haven't gone anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to hang out in Auckland, celebrate, get some home cooked meals. Take us on the next part of the hike. Um, oh, it's a kind of a little bit of a, a blur, honestly. Um, I remember sort of one of the next, big highlights a little bit south of there is uh you hit um Tongariro National Park mm -hmm. which there is a trail there called the Tongariro Crossing and it's like a hugely popular day walk there's probably like peak season 5,000 people going through there a day wow. but we do cross over it and it's like it's one of the most beautiful walks I think I've ever done even though it's super busy it's just this really volcanic sort of area and it's almost like you feel like you're on Mars. And that was, uh, that's definitely a very big highlight around that area. And it's nice because you go the opposite way of all the tourist traffic. So if you get up super early, 
you can get up sort of halfway over it and not see anybody. So that's wow. kind of a nice, uh, a nice little bonus about it. Well, that's exciting. It's like you're entering in a whole nother world. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of New Zealand in general. It's, um, you know, both Canada and the United States, we have such a wide variety of landscapes, but it's just so huge. But mm -hmm. New Zealand has that same variety, but it's all just kind of like smushed together in such a small space that it's all very accessible. I know. It's very impressive. I'm very impressed with New Zealand. It really is like a magical place. I do. All right. Well, let's, let's keep on going on the hike. We're still hiking with you. All right. So, yeah. So, Tongariro was definitely a highlight. Um, there is a part of the trail, actually, um, that you paddle. So, we spent a week uh, canoeing along the Wanganui River, which was... So, how did you set that up? I mean, could you just rent a canoe to or a kayak to, to get in and then drop off? Yeah. So, we took off from a place that we had already passed through. So, when we got there the first time... We sort of mm -hmm. like found our little group of people that we were going to do it with just because it's cheaper if there's more of you. So yeah. I think we had about seven, seven of us that did that trip together. And so we just got to this town and we booked our, uh, booked our canoes and kayaks and all that for like the following week, continued hiking along a certain stretch. And then we hitchhiked back to the town. Um, you buy all your food, they bring the canoe barrels to you and you just pack everything up in there and then they drive you out to the river and off, off you go. Wow. You do have to um, book some campsites along that way as well, though, because it's part of uh, a few trails in New Zealand called the Great Walks. Uh -huh. um, and those are just sort of like popular multi-day ones. And you do have to pay for, uh, for campsites and book them ahead of time. Now, I've never really able... heard of a, a through hike that also includes like canoeing or kayaking. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, well, it's kind of weird. Like officially on the trail, I think you're only on the water for like a day or two, but sort of like the mm -hmm. unofficial way everybody just was doing it because you're going through all the trouble of paying and booking all the gear. So you may as well just paddle right. the whole river at that point. So that's pretty much right. what everybody ended up doing. And then we spent about a week on a whole week on the river. Wow. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was beautiful. Um, and it was like, it was kind of like a bit of a vacation, really, because you're no longer having to carry all the food on your back. So, you know, bring a box of wine with you, a bottle of whiskey, fresh fruit. <laughs> yeah. But it was kind of like a vacation. And it was right around Christmas time as well. So we were all kind of in a celebratory mood. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. But yeah, so it is a bit strange paddling on a through hike, but that's right. just part of it. Oh, makes it unique. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's a great river. So what happened after the river? Well, so then you get to Wanganui. And so around that point, you're getting pretty close to being done the North Island. So I think, where would that be? That, that's got to be kicking right around the halfway mark, I think. So the North Island's 1,700 kilometers and the South Island is 1,300 Okay. So from there, we kind of you cut through a few little towns and stuff until you get to the next really cool range, which is the uh, the Tauruas, which are sort of a little spine of mountains that run north to south um, from Wellington. 
And that is another, that was another big sort of highlight area. It's pretty, it can be pretty gnarly up there. Like it's, it's got some, some rough weather and it's all, uh, it's all pretty exposed ridgeline walking. So you're like, you're, you know, maybe got a few feet on either side of you and it can be, the wind can be blowing pretty hard up there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that was another highlight for sure. And then did you get on the ferry after that? Yep. From there you get right into, uh, to Wellington and then everybody kind of has a little bit of a party in Wellington just cause you know, it's the end of the North Island. Okay. That feels like a pretty big win right there. And then that yeah, you, big just, win. you, know, yeah, you it just, yeah, it feels pretty good. You just hiked the entire North Island of yeah. New Zealand. And then too, I mean, it's also, it's pretty exciting cause the everybody's really looking forward to the South Island cause it's a different landscape there. It's a little bit more rugged. Um, and there's no little to no road walking. Uh, so that's kind of a thing about the North Island that a lot of people kind of get turned off on is cause the trail's so new. There is a good stretch of, uh, or a good amount, I should say of road walking where they're just mm-hmm. trying to connect from pre-existing trails and they just haven't found a route to get there off of the road yet. So that is something that the trail in the years to come is is slowly getting rid of. Mm. But um, yeah, that is a big chunk of the uh, of the North Island. So it's just nice to get that over with. Yeah, for sure. So now you're on to the fun South Island. Yeah. So the uh, South Island was definitely at the very beginning quite a stretch because. Um, we had to do our biggest food carries probably I think on the first three or four sections of the South Island where we, we were packing about seven to 10 days of food, which is it's a lot of weight. That is a lot of weight. Yeah. And it's also in probably the most rugged terrain we'd seen so far. So, you know, you're really kind of just jumping in head first. So, what was the most like rugged part of the terrain? Are you going up mountains or are you on the side of like cliffs or what? And kind of tell me a little bit more about the terrain. Yeah, no. So it's, it's a lot of, a lot of ridgeline walking. Um, Kiwis really, I don't think they know what switchbacks are because uh-huh. it, they just love to lead you just straight up the mountain. There's no like kind of meandering around it or snaking your way up. It's just like kind of you just charge on right up ahead. And All there's right. a lot of uh, a lot of parts too where they classify the trails as more of a route where there's no actual like visible footpaths. It's just the sporadic sort of pole markers. So you'd, you'd have to keep a pretty sharp eye on where you're going okay. because if you miss a marker, it's pretty easy to just sort of like wander off the path when you know there is no actual path there Ah. so you're in it's the the weather there as i said too is is pretty uh pretty rugged like you can get four seasons in one day and it won't let up on you wow did you get snowed on we didn't get snow no we definitely got a lot of rain though yeah yeah and then in sort of that area too the rain's pretty pretty dangerous because there's a lot of river crossings that you have to deal with so you have to you kind of have to watch out there because the water levels can can rise pretty quick how are you feeling mentally with all that um 
I don't know, you know, it changed from day to day. I think it was, it was a lot harder at the start, mostly just because everything's so new and, you know, we were learning a lot and making a lot of mistakes, but, you know, you slowly start to figure things out. Um, and then sort of, especially by that point in time, like you, you do kind of find your little community as well. It's the start of the trail, you know, you meet people, but you know, you might meet them once and they take off ahead or you take off ahead. But once you sort of find your rhythm, you start seeing the same faces. And so you kind of just have like a nice little knit group of people that you just kind of, you're just casually bumping into every now and again, you know, you might not see somebody for a week, but then you roll into a town and they're sitting on the sidewalk eating a pie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So that definitely helps. Um, I think that was sort of an unexpected treat of the trail really was that sense of community. Wasn't, mm-hmm. uh, wasn't something I was expecting, but definitely, uh, contributed to making the trip. Huh. But I think, I don't know, mentally, I, I really started to fall in love with the trail. I think when the very beginning, you know, it, everything's new, feels like an adventure, but when, that sort of started to slip away and and it just started feeling like it was your day-to-day life was kind of really where I I was pretty on board with the whole notion of through hiking for sure. That's fun. It's really fun. I mean, it's it's just a simple way to live, you know, when your Mm -hmm. day-to-day is just checking on how much food you have, where your water sources are coming from, you know, how many more kilometers to your next resupply point, figure that out and you just go for it. I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. So you, you made it through some rugged terrain. Mm-hmm. And then then where'd you go? What was your next highlight? Well, I mean, really, the entire South Island was pretty incredible. Um, it runs basically straight through the center of the island, mm-hmm. um, sort of on the fringes of uh, the Southern Alps down there. So you're in pretty pretty mountainous terrains. There's a lot of really nice valley walking, um, a lot of like really tussocky kind of country. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's getting by that time in the year too, it's nice and hot and there's a ton of like water around everywhere. So, you know, you can have a nice swim in the lake in the middle of the afternoon, which was definitely a treat. You didn't get that too much on the North Island. So just having all those sort of glacial lakes at your disposal was was definitely a definitely a bonus. Wow, it sounds, uh, gosh, just incredible. I mean, I don't know, glacier lakes. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's especially when you're just like sitting in the sun and it's like they're crystal clear, ice cold. Nobody's around. You come across the odd hot pool from time to time. That was pretty nice. Uh It's and just like you know, the geography is constantly changing, so you're never really dealing with like one sort of landscape for too long. Uh So it's always kind of changing, so you always feel like there's something new around the corner, yeah. Because you know, with that amount of time, if you're just hiking in a forest, it's it would get pretty tedious after a while, but Mm -hmm. the, the landscape keeps changing and keeps things interesting for you. Wow. So what would you say was your favorite part about the South Island? Hmm. I'd say, I mean, there is one, one section that was quite cool. It's called the Wayu Pass and it's mm-hmm. in, um, 
Nelson Lakes National Park. And that was, that was a really beautiful area. There's this um, lake called Blue Lake kind of high up in the mountains. And you're just kind of going through these valleys and up and over these mountain saddles. And there's just all these lakes scattered about. And there's, yeah, the Wayu Pass was probably, it was one of the coolest, but probably one of the most sketchiest moments on the trail mm. where it felt like you were getting to borderline rock climbing instead of hiking anymore. Whoa. Yeah, it was like just a pretty steep descent where you're, you're going down with your hands as well as your feet. It's pretty, uh, New gnarly. yeah, New Zealand's pretty gnarly when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. Like I met, meet a lot of people that had done the PCT and some of the other sort of big through hiking trails. And a lot of them, a lot of people complained about sort of the, the status of the trails there. Cause you know, the PCT is, I mean, I'm pretty sure the entire thing's equestrian grade, isn't it? quite sure i can't i can't answer that yeah okay well i'll have to check my facts on that one yeah but okay it's like it's pretty well made and you can you can pretty much easily follow it the entire time but yeah the the ta really just like i said i mean sometimes there's not even an actual trail you're just following a route (laughs) so it can it can get pretty gnarly out there and then yeah you know when you're in that type of situation and you get it on a bad day it's like there's lots of places where we went through where I was just grateful that it was sunny and no wind. Yeah. Well, take us on the last uh, month of your hike. The last month is a little bit weird. More. Oh, what happened? Well, it's more kind of more mentally weird, I think, where you slowly start to realize that you're actually getting towards the end uh-huh. because you kind of don't even really think about the end when you start because it's just so far away it's you know it's just not even really on your radar but then I remember when we got to Queenstown which is a crazy little town pretty south on the south island that was definitely a moment where like man like we're actually pretty close to being finished with this thing yeah and there's that sort of anxiety of like well like what what the hell are we going to do next like You get so used to living that way, you know, you, by that point, we'd been, we'd been on the trail for at least four months. So you're, you're pretty well adjusted to it. And a lot of our sort of friends that we had made along the way were kind of in the same boat, almost to the point where some of us even started slowing our pace down a little bit at the end. So we were trying to drag it out because I really didn't want to be done. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. We met, remember we uh we even we were two days away from finishing the trail and we were at a hostel and I think we spent two or three days there just kind of <laughs> hanging out with some of our buddies. <laughs> we we're all like pretty reluctant to carry on because as soon as we finished, it was just like, oh, now we gotta, you know, you gotta go yeah, back to done. real life. Right. You know this this goal, their idea that you've had in your head for a year, yeah. two years, whatever is is done, and it's kind of like. Yeah, just it felt very strange to be getting close to the end. Yeah, I've I've had that where I've had like a goal that I've worked for for a long time, and then you do it, and mm-hmm. which feels great. And then you're like, well, okay, well, what's yeah? Now what? Yeah, <laughs> right. It is it is a bizarre bizarre sensation. There's actually there's a really good documentary about these four guys that um, 
they uh, adopted and trained wild mustangs and rode them from the Mexican border to the Canadian border through public land in the States. And one of the guys on that trip, he said, I'm roughly quoting him where he was like, when they were getting near the end of their trip, he was saying, part of me is like, so ready to be done with this thing and just just get to the finish line and be over with. But like at the same time, two or three weeks down the line, I'm, I know I'm just going to want to wish I was back out here. That's kind of the sentiment I, I, I felt about it all. Mm-hmm. So, so what happened on your final day? So, yeah, the last day we kind of went a little bit crazy where we lumped the last two days together in one essentially we we had talked about doing like a 40 kilometer day but we hadn't done it yet and so the end of the trail really isn't all that scenic there's a lot of like highway and there's one nice long beach section but it's not like you know it's not the landscape that you've been used to seeing the last five and a half months so Mm -hmm. basically we just decided to make it a little bit more exciting to finish off was hike the last two days in one so I think it ended up being like 65 kilometers. Whew. Yeah. And we walked from eight in the morning and we finished just before midnight. So we were, we were hiking well into the night. Wow. So we, I mean, we, we did our 40 kilometer day in the end. <laughs> My yeah. goodness. It was, uh, it was pretty surreal. And then when we got there, you know, we were beat. So we were sitting there looking at the sign and we didn't even we didn't have any place to stay that night or anything. We didn't really know what we were doing. And at midnight, this woman drove up in her car and she rolled down our window and she was like, "Did you boys just finish the TA?" And we're like, "Yep." She's like, "Do you have anywhere to go?" And we're like, "Nope." She's like, she took us in her car and she let us uh, crash on her couch that night. Wow. <laughs> yeah. She sat us down, made us coffee, and she was like, "It's a really beautiful thing you guys just did." And I was like. That was a really nice way to finish it, I think, you know. That would be so cool to live near the end of a hike and, and go see. Yeah, it's um it's a big thing there. Like Bluff where it ends is just this kind of little old fishing town and you know, there's a few little touristy sort of things there. There's a ferry you can take from there further on to another island called Stewart Island. Uh-huh. But there's not a ton there, but a lot of the little communities that are around the trail have really sort of embraced it and quite love it really. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that have just offered like random services that live along the trail. They've just volunteered, you know, odd little services, be it like ferry crossings or just places to stay. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, yeah, there are a lot of people that live along the trail that are just like super into it and are super welcoming. Hmm. Um, Which again was sort of one of the things that I didn't really expect from the trail, but was pretty uh, pleasantly surprised. Oh, that's fun. To say the least. Yeah. And do you think this hike changed you? Um, I wouldn't, I mean, it definitely wasn't like, there was no like light bulb moment, you know? Uh Um, but I definitely think, I mean, it definitely has changed the way I I'm sort of focused in my goals now. I mean, ever since then I've, I'm pretty much focused on like just going back home. I work, I save and then go hike somewhere else for an extended period of time, you know? Where else have you hiked since then? 
Um, a few years after that, I did, uh, I did two trails in Canada. I did the Bruce trail in Ontario. And then mm-hmm. when I finished that, I flew to Newfoundland and hiked the East coast trail out there. Wow. Yeah. Well, after doing the, uh, you know, the TA in New Zealand, I felt that, you know, I should probably, before I go do any other trails, I should probably see a little bit of my own country. Right. Because, yeah. you know, I felt a little guilty. I was like, man, I almost know New Zealand better than my own home. Yeah. No, that's so, really interesting. Yeah. Did did those two trails over a summer. And then my last trip, which was ended just a few months ago, it wasn't a through hiking trip, but I did just go back to New Zealand and just sort of uh, kind of hit around spots that I wanted to go to that the TA doesn't take you through. And I mean, really just to spend time in New Zealand. I'm a little bit obsessed with the place. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's got it's got its grips in me. Yeah. Well, after you spend so much time there, I mean, how could it not? Yeah, I mean, I think anybody that goes there pretty much feels the same way. Like before I'd even been there, I don't think I'd ever heard anybody say anything bad about it that no. had been there. Yeah. Yeah, I only hear good things about New yeah. Zealand. I'm a, I'm I'm a big fan. <laughs> Let's get into some logistics here. First off, when did you start and when did you end? And should people start and end when you did? Yeah, so most people, I think there's a pretty broad range of timeline where you can complete the whole trail. And it's usually in around four to six months, roughly. So we kind of set out with the intentions of doing it over six months. We didn't want to feel rushed and you know if we found some place we liked and wanted to feel free that we can you know stay there for a couple days or whatever like for us it wasn't um it wasn't a race you know we yeah. were just there to be out there so right. we started early in the season so our start day was october 10th i believe it was okay so that's just sort of you know springtime and then finished um at the end of march march 29th So that's kind of the broad timeline. If you start a little bit later, that's fine. If you're moving a little bit quicker. But I think that's sort of a a good basis for walking the whole trail uh, southbound. It'd be a little bit more difficult, I think, to do it uh, northbound the whole way just because of the the climate and the seasons because you'd be Mm -hmm. getting... uh, well, you'd just be starting in the uh, South Island when there's still a lot of snow melts, um, rivers would be higher, weather would be rougher when you're kind of in the higher altitude spots. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is a little bit more practical to go southbound. Okay. If you're did you doing find that a lot of people went northbound or did you find the majority of people went southbound? There were people that were going northbound typically were only doing the South Island. Okay. So Got there it. was like a sort of a chunk of time where we were crossing paths with northbounders which was really nice because like we'd have helpful information for for each of us you know uh-huh. telling everybody kind of what they have laid ahead uh there was one northbound walker that actually saved us from being stuck in the rain for three days because we were on the tail end of a section and uh we were about to finish for the day and he was like had just come out from town he's like you boys really got to uh 
really ought to move quick because there was a river crossing right before you get into town. And he's like, you got three days of solid rain coming your way. So we pushed on into the night and were able to cross the river early in the, the next day. And sure enough, it was like three full straight days of rain. Wow. And we, unfortunately, we had some buddies that got caught on the other side of it and they had to wait it out. But we yeah. were cozy in our hostel. It was, you know, it was quite nice. Yeah. Now, how much did you save to do this? How much did it cost? Um, well, I'd say I would budget for, you're probably going to want at least like 1500 probably per month. Um, you, I mean, you could use more because you're going to be hungry and it's pretty easy to spend money when you're out there. Sure. Uh, when you're in town, I mean, obviously not out there. Right. But, um, and then gear, I mean, gears from scratch, it's pretty easy to spend a lot of money on that as well. Cause you're right. You know, you're going to want to go ultra light, you know, it's, uh, it's not the cheapest thing in the world, but as far as like actual, like living costs on the trail, yeah, you're probably looking 1500 to 2000 a month. Okay. Um, there aren't too many fees along the trail either, which is good. Um, they do ask for a donation um, of $250 per island. Um, and the only other thing you have to get is a backcountry hut pass, which only cost about $92 and it's good for six months. So it's pretty, uh, pretty economical. Yeah. That's not too bad. Yeah. Now, how far in advance did you plan for this hike? Uh, I'd say about, it was from deciding to do it to actually get in there was probably about a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. What did you do in that year and a half? How did you prepare? Well, um, I didn't do a very good job of it, really. <laughs> we we tried to draw out a bit of a, a plan for when we got there, but we learned pretty quickly that our plan wasn't going to stick to the timeline that we had sort of conjured up, and it kind of all went out the window within the first couple weeks. Okay. Um, as far as planning ahead, I mean just doing your research into sort of what gear you want, what do you want to have in your kit? Um, and just some like, you know, basic safety stuff and, uh, you know, just resources about, uh, other through hikes. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that would be happy to talk to and, mm -hmm. uh, get information from, but as far as like the logistical planning of the, the, uh, the trail when we were there, um, we kind of did a lot of it on the fly, really. I mean, the system that we ended up using was we would have, we would be doing one section. I say section as in like just the between two resupply points. It's like, you know, you get your food and then you finish the section till the next place where you can resupply. Mm -hmm. And um, we would basically on one section plan the section ahead. And then when we got there, kind of rinse and repeat. So we were always planning the next section ahead of the one that we were on. And that just afforded us sort of a little bit more leeway and time and that kind of thing, you know? Now, what did you do for water? I mean, carrying a lot of water, I feel like would be really heavy. Did you do like a life straw along the way or like a water filter? Yeah, we did. Um, we filtered all of our water, um, but there's a ton of water in New Zealand. Um, 
most ways along the trail. So you really didn't have to deal with any sort of big water carries. Uh-huh. I mean, I'd say for almost the entire trail, like you never really had to carry much more than like two liters on you at, at any given time. Yeah. Because there's just plenty of water sources along the way. But yeah, you, you would need to filter it. We had um, like a gravity bag. So you just fill it up and plug it into the tube and it would just filter out by itself. Nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, a life, a life straw, I don't think would be the way to go. I think that would be a little too light for it. But I mean, there's tons of different useful water filtration systems out there. Now, what did you have in your bag that you found that you didn't need? Um, so yeah, when, when you finish the first section, everybody definitely has a big purge of their pack because mm-hmm. you've been carrying it for like four days and you realize there's a whole bunch of stuff in there that you think would be useful, but really is just taking up space and adding weight. I think yeah. I had like this big multi-tool thing on me. It had like pliers and like this little tiny saw and it was just like, it was ridiculous. So you just kind of get rid of all those those ridiculous items that, you know, yeah, they seem useful at the start, but you're like, I'm, I might use this once this entire trip. So, you know, right. just get rid of it. What else so did you purge? Oh, I'm trying to think. I mean, it was all so early on. Um, yeah. I can't even remember. Like there was, I mean, yeah, the, the big multi-tool was the one I definitely remember the most as just being yeah. like, this is just a silly thing to be carrying with me. No, what item in your pack were you extremely happy that you had? I think, so my favorite sort of thing that I have is, I I think it's the only thing I still have in my kit now, but it was my spoon of all things. Oh. Um, Mostly because, this is a bit of a weird one, mostly because the curve of the spoon fit the inside of a peanut jar perfectly. So you could really just clean out the jar (laughs) while you were out there. And it was just like the most satisfying uh, item that I had. Yeah. Of all the oh, things, I, it's yeah, it's the one piece of gear that still stuck stuck with me. Okay, a spoon. Yeah, a spoon. R- write that down. Well, you know, a spoon. you really just uh, appreciate the simple things when you're doing that for a while. I yeah. also had a uh, developed a real appreciation for picnic tables. whenever we came across one of those i was like this is a real luxury right now (laughs) what else did you have in your bag what should people pack in their bag to go on this trail yeah so my pack was i mean it pretty much had all of the basics in it um i mean you know you got your clothes you need a stove you need a water filter tent sleeping bag sleeping mat um that's pretty much the the main essential items um mine was a little bit frustrating because i didn't do enough research into my gear beforehand and i had all of the essential items just they were all way too big and bulky and heavy Mm, so i mm -hmm. i we we kind of got made fun of a little bit on the trail because we had these massive bags they were both like 70 liters and they were just completely it was just way too much weight but yeah, we got there and we we did it anyways with it. <laughs> it was a little too expensive to completely start from scratch down there. Right. So, you know, we uh, we we made do with it. But um, yeah, I mean, 
you you really don't need all that much i don't think it's just as long as you have space for food is a big one in your in your bag like if you're putting together a kit you still want to make sure you're able to cram like a good week's worth of food in there because there are yeah. two or three sections where you're doing about 10 days what kind of food would you pack oh uh couscous and tuna that was right. that was our big meal now we did that um tortilla wraps for lunch you know peanut butter and jam and a tortilla wrap uh instant oatmeal instant coffee basically for food you're looking for the highest uh calorie to weight ratio you want it to have as many calories as it possibly can with it weighing as little yeah and that's pretty much what you're looking for snickers bars are great for that huh. they're a big they're a big favorite i think on the trail I didn't even know. Yeah. Now, on the podcast, I do like to address maybe those with limited mobility or who may be in a wheelchair. Um, I think the section where you can kayak or canoe might be interesting for someone with limited mobility mm -hmm. to, to maybe do that section. But were there any section of the trail that was wheelchair friendly? Not a ton to be to be frank, really. Um, I mean, there would be little bits here and there, but on, on the whole, it's it wouldn't be very friendly in that regard. Um, even mm -hmm. in the North Island, there's like, you're constantly crossing farmland and going over styles. Um, mm -hmm. However, though, back to the Great Walks thing, there are a lot of really great trails in New Zealand that are pretty well formed and might have better luck kind of looking at those okay. trails. All right, we'll do a little research and, and we'll add it yeah. to the show notes. Um, now, as far as going on the hike, do you have any other additional like tips for our listeners if they're thinking about hiking the TA? Well, I'd say I think kind of the unsuspecting hardest part is really more the mental challenge than the physical one. I think mm -hmm. it's very easy to work yourself into a negative head space when you're stripped away of all these distractions. And when you do kind of fall into that head space, it kind of just perpetuates itself. It's when you start making mistakes, you know, you're, you might slip, you might injure yourself. So I think it's really just sort of learning how to pull yourself out of that. And um, that makes the trail... Uh, a lot easier and obviously a lot more enjoyable but it is mm -hmm. something you kind of have to work on a little bit at least I did mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah it's it's a good tip it's a little mentally taxing more physical or mental than physical I I kind of found wow wow now did you have a trail name <laughs> no no I think that's more of a PCT thing okay yeah all right no, we uh we didn't have we didn't have names on the trail. Or was there some interesting New Zealand lingo being used on the trail that you picked up? I do like some Kiwi terms. Um yeah. I think one of my favorite ones is jandals. Jandals. Those, What's jandals? Jandals. Those are like uh like flip flops. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna I start calling it, them jandals. I know, it's just a great sounding word. That is a great sounding word. Jandals. Um, what are some other good ones? I love the birds down there. New Zealand has a lot of really strange and wonderful birds. 
Um, that's pretty much all they have really for wildlife. There's no like natural predators or anything down there. So that's yeah. a huge like thing if you're thinking about hiking, but if you, you were f- afraid of, you know, bears or coyotes or snakes, that's like yeah. something you can write right off when you're thinking about the TA. Like that's just not a concern at all. Fine. Which is quite nice, really. Do you have like a bird watching pamphlet or something to help identify them? <laughs> no, you just kind of, you get to know them every now and again. I mean, it's bird culture is like a big thing down there. They, they really do take a lot of pride in um, the, uh, the native bird species. And yeah. they, they do a lot of work to try to protect them because they, they do have introduced possums and stouts, stout stouts. I was thinking of the beer stouts. Mm. And, um, they do kind of prey on the bird population. So they're quite, quite focused on trying to keep them all healthy and, and, uh, and alive out there. Hmm. And were there any, uh, like customs or, or something that you learned to be culturally appropriate um, while in New Zealand? So a lot of places, especially in the trail notes, you know, I was saying there's, people that would offer up uh, sort of like services for, for hikers. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it was all by like just suggested to just leave a donation. Like, you know, if you would go and stay at this certain place or whatever, it's not necessarily expected or you don't have to pay, but it is sort of appreciated to sort of just leave what you can. Yeah. Yeah. So they call it a COA down there. Um, Oh, a what? A COA. A koa? Koa, yeah, it's a Maori term for donation. Huh. Yeah. Nice. So that was that. Well, that was kind of a big one. Um, just people down there though are incredibly friendly. Like hitchhiking is a very reliable way to get around down there, uh-huh. which is pretty helpful for when you're you know you're doing your resupplies because the trail may not necessarily take you directly into town. It just takes you to a road, and you just gotta hitchhike into huh. town, back and forth. But um, no, I find uh, New Zealand quite kindred spirits to uh, to Canada. At least I found. Yeah. Yeah. Very friendly people. They are. They're wonderfully accommodating and like just super excited to talk to you, especially when you're doing that trip. Everyone is pretty keen to hear about it. Yeah. No, that's exciting. That's very yeah. exciting. Oh, well. Anything else you'd like to share for our listeners before we go? Um, no, is there anything, uh, you want me to touch on? I I know. I think, I think we got through it all. All I mean, I know there's more to the hike than what we just went through, but yeah, Yeah. I think this gives people a taste for the trail and if they want to go try to venture, I mean, this is a great way to be socially distant though, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it pretty much satisfies all the uh, boxes on that one, you know, outside, not many people around. So, you know, now is as good a time as any. Just may need to check if you can get into New Zealand. Yeah. um, Wherever you're flying from. I don't think that's going to be happening for a little bit. I think they're pretty locked up for the the moment. Yeah. But it gives gives people time to plan, though. It's true. It is also like getting into winter there now, too. So you might have to wait wait a few months before you can really get into it. Right. Well, thanks again so much for for joining us on the podcast. And actually, one last question. What is your next through hike? 
Um, I do have my sights on the PCT for the next for the next one. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of kind of hoping maybe 2022 is going to be the year for that one. Well, you know, I'm not far from the PCT, so if you need to plan a yeah. resupply or something here near Bend, Oregon, let me know. That would be cool. I will do that. All right. Cool, well, cool. thank you so much for for coming on the show. And uh, look forward to hearing about your future adventures. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Mm. Thank you so much for listening to Experiences You Should Have podcasts. And if you want to find out more about hiking, this amazing through hike in New Zealand, the TA, then please go to experiencesyoushouldhave.com, click on episodes. And from there, you will find the show notes for this episode with links and more information. Now, as you may know, Uh, We are an indie podcast. We are not backed by big organizations like NPR or WNYC. And so one of the biggest things that you can do to help our podcast is to share this podcast. Share it with your friends or your enemies or whoever enjoys listening to podcasts or someone who enjoys travel or adventure um, people who enjoy experiences. You know, I call people like me experience seekers. So if you know of experience seekers in your life, please let them know about the podcast. And if you are listening to this podcast on an Apple device, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. It would be extremely helpful. Thank you again for being a listener. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Every single subscription helps. And until our next adventure.